Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. The price you paid for my life God's perfect sacrifice Sufficient for me The blood of God to atone My sin you made your own You have set me free You alone have risen You alone have saved us You alone have rescued us from the grave Glorious you reign now All creation cries out You alone are king You alone Good Saturday afternoon to you, Treasure Valley. My name is Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. First part of the show is what we attempt to do is to share with you what we do and who funds us and all that good stuff. Victory Over Sin is funded by the advocacy arm of St. Vincent de Paul that we like to call Systemic Change of Idaho. And what we do for them is to educate you, the person listening to my voice today, about what it's like to be incarcerated and to come out of incarceration. We do that in a couple different ways. One is this radio show, and I'm kind of excited. Today is our 100th radio show that we've actually put together. So we've been doing this for a while. And if you go back on the archives of KBXL, or if you go to Systemic Change of Idaho, you'll see all the shows we put together. And in that history, you'll see politicians and you'll see people who've run the Department of Corrections. You'll see people who've been out of incarceration, currently incarceration, all sorts of people. But by and large, there's a theme. They've all worked with people who are coming out of incarceration. And we get to hear their stories, talk with them, and they share those things. So it's a great resource for you, the listener, if you don't know anything about incarceration, you can go back and take a look at it. There's some interesting people on there. Uh, in addition to doing the radio show, we also have a PowerPoint that we share with community groups, with churches, with businesses. And what that is is about a 20-minute presentation that we come out and it is put together by a group of us who kind of highlight the issues that affect those of us who have come out of incarceration. It's meant to be an educational piece for you, and it's also meant to be something that is a conversation starter, if you will. It will give you some insight about what the state of Idaho spends on corrections and what we do and how we do stuff well and how things that we potentially need some improvement in. If uh, the good thing about this presentation is it is led by a returning citizen. So you'll see that person kind of straighten their back up a little bit and talk with some pride about what they've gone through. And at the end of it, you've got some discussion and quote unquote, an expert to talk about what life's like incarcerated. So at the end of the show, I'll let you know how to reach get out in touch with me. And if you want any of this information about being uh, either uh, having the presentation come to you or you're excited about doing this and want to support us, that'll give you the opportunity to, to connect with me. I appreciate that. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we also um, are associated with a real strong group of, of, of organization called Just Leadership USA. And Just Leadership USA, if you will, is an advocacy organization for those of us who have been incarcerated. And what it is, it's almost like AARP is to the senior citizen. Just Leadership USA is to the person who's been incarcerated. Probably people do not understand that 70 million people in this country have felony convictions. So that's a pretty powerful group of people who are all similarly need some support and some advocacy for. All those things are up and coming. We're excited about 2019. We're going to do some very interesting things. We've got a legislative session that's about to start, and all sorts of things are going to be on the docket in terms of the correction system. We've got a brand new director of the Department of 
corrections and we're trying to get him on. He's uh, been on the job for about 30 days. We're trying very quickly to get him on, but his schedule is really busy trying to understand what's going on. We hope to have him on this month. Uh, I'll be right back in a second. We've got a very good friend of mine. It couldn't be better to have the 100th show with him, and we'll be right back. The United States has the highest percentage of its population in prison in the world. That's one in 200 Americans are currently serving time in a federal or local prison. As of May 2017, Idaho has 8,223 men and women incarcerated and another 17,201 on probation and parole. So upon release from prison, who works with these individuals and families to help them transition back into our community? This is done by what we call Returning Citizens Resources and coffee shop. We offer them a cup of coffee and some resources and information to help get them on solid footing with their faith, their recovery, and to begin their new life as our neighbor. It's designed for the offender's first stop from the institution. If you'd like to help us help them, please contact Mark Rennick at 629-8861. That's area code 208-629-8861. And if you're out in the desert needing any help for your transition, we pay for that call. I think I've said this on the show before, but it's kind of cool that it's my show. I get to have on who I want. And somebody who I've wanted on the show for a long period of time is Mr. Chris Bennett. And Chris is here. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mark? Good. And Chris is the pastor, Calvary Chapel, CUNA. Welcome. Thanks. It's Thank great you. to be. It's actually really great to be here. I've kind of avoided it, but here I am. You have put it off. <laughs> I've hassled him. I've hassled his wife about it. I tried to get her on the show. She wouldn't do it. And uh, I, But um, it's really nice to have you here because, you know, you are one of those really good people uh, that the world needs to hear about. And uh, you run a really nice church in CUNA. Uh, tell me a little bit about your background and where you're from, et cetera, and stuff like that and how you got to Idaho. Well, I, I'm not a native Idaho, and I'm not going to blame Idaho for how I turned out. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, born in Southern California in Burbank and grew up down there and figured I'd probably spend my life there. And then God actually called us to Idaho, so I responded by taking an opportunity in Minnesota. And three months later, basically got burped out, just like Jonah, three days, three months, very similar. Very similar. Burped out into uh, Boise, Idaho with no money, no car no place to live at the mercy of our in-laws, and God just blessed us ever since. So that's kind of how we got to Idaho. And then I had several different jobs, and um, of course, eventually now I'm pastoring a church yeah. uh, in CUNA. Yeah, but I, and I, I know that in your background you're a plumber at yes. some point in time. I did that for 25 years. Okay, <laughs> yeah. And so the association then, because you're a Calvary Church, then you know, you know Chuck Smith, or you must have known Chuck Smith or met him along the way. Yes. Was that from your Southern California days? Yes, actually I grew up uh, probably within three or four miles of Costa Mesa Calvary Chapel with a big tent, saw right. the tent, yeah, drove yeah, by it all yeah. the time. Unfortunately, if you have regrets at all, never really attended there. I wish no. I had. I was going to another church with my family. So you kind of go where they're going when you're a kid. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me, so what, what ends up in CUNA? There's a good story for getting into CUNA? Yes, actually. Um, I, the, the way I got into pastoring was, I like to say, reluctantly. Because right. uh, Isaiah says, here I am, pick me. Right. And uh, Moses is like, there he is, send him. And that's what I was like. I did not want to do this. But God hounded me, and I tried everything to get out of it, and he had every base covered because he's God. Mm -hmm. He can do that. So finally he gave me a vision. It was early in the morning, and it was just when the darkness is starting to go away and it's starting to get light outside, and he gave me a vision, and he showed me 
a fire truck pulling up in front of a house that's on fire. Fireman gets out, grabs the hose, hooks it up to the fire hydrant, and starts putting out the fire. And then he says, do you want to know the, the interpretation of this vision? I said, well, of course I do. So he said, the house on fire is the world. The fire truck represents God the Father. The sun is represented by the firemen, and the Holy Spirit is a fire hydrant and the water. All you're going to be is the hose. <laughs> no, that's right. That's All you got to do is be something to convey the Holy Spirit to the world, to convey the Lord mm-hmm. to the world. And I thought, okay, I can do that. Yeah. Uh, so then he says, would you like to know what city the fire department's from? And I said, yeah. And it was just like an action movie. There's smoke. There are people walking in front. I'm looking at the door to see the name of the city painted on the door. Yeah, yeah. And finally, everything cleared, and it said CUNA. Really? It's just a cl- I mean, you don't get much plainer than that. No, no. So you're here. So how did you get connected? I assume this, you've, I've heard from stories, certainly, that you were one of the small group of people with, you know, Bob Caldwell. And as that got started, how did you run across that and get from that CUNA vision, I guess, to being in the, the, the nucleus of what is now uh, a growth of the Calvary Chapels throughout the valley, right? Well, yes, it basically started because we were used to going to Calvary Chapel in Costa Ma- or Southern California at Huntington Beach Calvary Chapel. Then we right. went to Minnesota. There was nothing there like that right. back then. There are now, but there weren't then. So when we came here, we were kind of starving for that kind of fellowship. So we saw an ad in the paper. We went to it. And we ended up showing up at a midweek Bible study in somebody's home with about seven people, and Bob was one of them. Wow, he was leading it. It was that. really small. Yeah. And then we used to meet. He talked. He used to talk a lot about being in the basement, or excuse me, in the above the bouquet bar mm-hmm. at the beginning yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went there before then when we met in the basement of the YMCA on State Street. See, that's the great. old about twenty people. That is me. And so yeah, we we were involved in that, and we helped. You know, minister. I mean, my wife and I taught Sunday school for years, and God was really sneaky preparing me to pastor. He had me teach Sunday school. He had me serve as an elder. He had me leading uh, men's groups. He had me leading a home fellowship. He had me teaching the new believers class. All but, these things led up to that. And I think all that is, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is almost a style of the way Bob did things. Oh, exactly. Bob, Bob would say, I've heard him say, uh, Boy, I'm here. I want to do anything for the church. And he'd say, Can you clean the men's room? <laughs> Because of that, you yeah. know, and so that's what he he did that of, to Rich Wright. Yeah, yep. so, yeah. So I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's I always loved that aspect of it because there are other churches in the valley certainly who've gotten bigger, and I think you and I've had this conversation in the past before. It's like they'll hire people and they'll get on. And they'll think, boy, I've got this and I've got the benefits, and they they just they bog down in the hugeness or of that church. Whereas Bob never did that. He just no. said, no, go forward and go forward and find your way. I just finished my three-year term as an elder, and that's when God called me. And so I met with Bob and told him that I I believe God called me to be a pastor. He says, well, what kind of pastor do you want to be? I said, well, hopefully a good one. (laughs) And he face-palmed, and he thought, okay, I forgot who I'm dealing with. That's right. No, assisting pastor, youth pastor. I don't even know. He says, well, the way you get become a pastor here is to start a ministry or get involved in a ministry, and it grows enough to where you have to be in charge, and we can take you on. But you're right. They don't just hand you a pastorship and and a salary and a house to live in and all that. No, it's exactly it. It has to be a growth that proves that what you're doing is, is a, what God wants, and it's obviously being blessed by him. Because right. the way one pastor said when I, I felt I was called to CUNA, I talked to the pastor of the Calvary Chapel who was then in Meridian, and I t- asked him, I said, I believe God's calling me to CUNA, but I know half the people who come to your church live in CUNA, 
I'm not trying to steal anyone, but if I lived there and heard a Calvary Chapel style was coming there, I might try and check it out and leave right. your church just to be closer. And he said, well, no, two things. Number one, if it's of God, who am I to say no? And if it isn't of God, it's not going to work. Right, right. So I'm right. fine either way. Yeah, so that was good. But I think that's respectful in terms of what you did. It makes a, a tremendous amount of sense. But and then he called me two days later and asked me to take over as the pastor or consider it. Oh. And that's what I ended up doing. And then eight months later, God led us to move it to the city of Cuna, because, oh. partly because of that vision. Right. Well, you know, like I said, I, everything good about this is cool because it's also <laughs> part of the other one I knew that we, I said we were going to talk about, but I'm going to talk about it just because I think he's, he's influential in my life was Randy Nurmi. And Randy Nurmi was a part of that group too. Absolutely. And, and he did, he did the pure word aspect of it because so much of the world that I deal with is addiction. And I've never met a man who could take any, almost any verse in the Bible and draw an analogy to addiction and, and make it credible and make it work in terms mm-hmm. of developing pure word. So that's that had to have been exciting times. I mean, we talk about what it must have been like to be in the tent in Southern California. Yes, right. but it's also you experienced that same sort of tent here in the Treasure Valley. Yeah, and actually, we had a literal tent <laughs> yeah. on Auto Drive, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> just like Costa Mesa. Did. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of cool. I love that. I love all that background. So that's that's so cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, how you and I met. Is that's okay? Most sure. people know that I've been incarcerated. And um, I was a part of a place called Hope Community out at Max. And one of the first people to come out uh, when we started this little entity was a volunteer named Chris Bent. And you came out and did daily devotionals, right? Yeah, it was Tuesdays and Thursdays. I got contacted by a friend that I had ministered to out at the prison a few times before, just on special occasions. And so I prayed about it. And one of the things that I decided to do when God called me and I was assured that he wanted me to do it, if he asked me to do something, I'd just say yes. If I believe it's God, I just say yes. I wouldn't say no. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, wait, this is maximum security. This is knife yeah, guys, yeah, killers. Yeah. <laughs> no, what am I doing? But he called me, so I said, okay, I'd do it. And so I called Ken Soltz, who yeah. was the chaplain then, right. and I told him I could do it. And, and I said, I'd do it Tuesdays and Thursdays. And he was freaked out. He said, first of all, we don't get pastors out here. Secondly, twice a week? Are you kidding me? Yeah. And I thought, I thought that's just what you did. Yeah. Well, I think you were one of the first of a group of people that uh, came through and it started to grow. And I think it, it was Ken Soltz's idea as well as Michael Johnson's, who was the deputy warden, that did the concept. And I think you were real, real early on because I remember when you were Oh, coming, yeah, when it was first getting When you going. were first going and we were all sitting there attentively when you come out there. And I can remember, <laughs> I, I think I was drawn to you because of your nervousness about what you were well, doing. And it's how, funny you'd say that because when I sat down... And then the inmates started coming in. There was a young guy. First of all, I look at him and thought, what are you doing here? Yeah. I mean, he couldn't have been 22. And he, was, he slouched in his chair and he looked at me and he was looking me over and he says, you nervous? <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, I am. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got you now. You know? <laughs> and I said, but you know, that's not new. I'm nervous before I talk every time. Yeah. So that way I depend on the Lord. And he kind of... Hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I, and again, that was it was an experiment that the state did between uh, the Christmas of 2005 to uh, September of 2009, in which we all lived together, G Block, 36 of us. And at those times, when Chris came out, it was real mandatory. We all came out, and we had to do it, and we had mm-hmm. da da da, because it was unique. And we had a corporal named Corporal. It was then Corporal Hammer, who's now a sergeant, and he's now at uh, the 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 farm. But he was a strong Christian too. And it was everybody yep. in line. We were all here and we were all learning. And we we didn't know at all what we were doing or what, how we were doing it or what we were going to do, but it was going to be an experiment. And it proved to be just very, very powerful in my life. And, and I would argue 
in the 250 or so people who passed through that unit in that period of time, uh, I think it's powerful for them because we keep track of them now. We try to anyway. So, and people now claim to be a part of it. And it's, it's goofy now since all these years, but <laughs> that's a real blessing. No, it, it really is. It is. And I, I just, first of all, and I, I went out, one of the first things I did when I, when I was released was to go around and start thanking all the, the pastors. And that's where I kind of ran across you again too. But mm-hmm. I went around and tried to find everybody who was out there and just said, thank you for doing it because it was so powerful. And that became a nonprofit that became some stuff. And now we're doing all sorts of stuff. That's an outgrowth of that entity. So I love it. And you were a part of it and you've always been special because I, when I was released from prison, I ended up working for a man who was on the radio last week, Dave Browning, and you'd come into the, you would take pity on me and let me wait on you and came <laughs> because I did not fix anything. And he's a plumber and he can fix anything. And so he'd let me uh, wait on him and stuff like that with Dave. Oh, so it's it was good fun. to see you. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's really, that's a, it's a powerful way when you sense what we talk about uh, in, in, as the person's coming out of incarceration, it's essential to have a good community around you as you go forward but even more so you can make that broad sense if you're driving around you need that broad it's a lost world out there it doesn't you don't have to be out of prison you need to surround yourself with good people mm-hmm. to go forward because it's a very broken world out there and you need to have that relationship with Jesus and hang around people who do have that it'll make things so much easier for you as you go through your day-to-day life incarcerated previously or not. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the people who tend to listen to us, they'll say, well, it's a prison show, but everything we say here is is applicable to anybody that's just walking down the street. That's cool. Okay. So um, what else? Uh, tell me where you're going in terms of things that you're doing in CUNA and going forward, or, or, or let's do this. Before we do that, you, we've ran across, he brought in a treasure here of a poem that was actually, I had forgotten all about the gentleman. And tell the story about how this happened. Well, it was pretty cool. One of the times that I went out to do, well, the, we started off calling them devotions. They changed it to inspirations because devotion sounds too biblical. Mm-hmm. So I said, I don't care if you call it the pizza hour. I'm going to talk about Jesus and, and yeah. read from the Bible. But <clears throat> uh, anyway, so uh, one of the times afterwards, because always, you'd always have your meeting right afterwards, and I couldn't leave right away because, you know, the thing had to be finished so I was standing around. And then a guy came up to me, one of the inmates, who was a lifer, never going to get out, and he told me about a poem that he had written. And I thought, that sounded really cool. And basically, it was about two different people from the Bible, and then the last stanza is just about us in general. And so I said, oh, wow, that sounds impressive. So the next time I came out, he'd written it down for me, and he handed it to me, and he gave it to me. Now, I know enough, an inmate hands you anything. Yeah. If, if I take it out without saying anything, then they've got me. So mm-hmm. I know the rules. Mm-hmm. So I took it to Officer Hammer, which I thought was a great last name for an <laughs> officer out at Max. But I took it to him and showed him. And he says, no, that's fine. You can take it. So not only did I take it, I put it in a Word document, and I eventually used it in one of my sermons, which I told him about, and it really touched him. Yeah. So, But this is it. It's called God Knows No Little Thing. Great. She packed her boy a little lunch, five loaves and fishes too. That morning, never dreaming what... A little lunch would do. He never thought the colt he raised would someday be the one to lead the great processional of God's beloved son. The task that may seem commonplace may be the one to bring the greatest pleasure to the most. God knows no little thing. Uh, I, you know, and uh, that's, I mean, I know who that is, and I'd kind of forgotten the name, and um, he is still there, and he will be there for the rest of his life. And uh, that's, 
that's that's if you don't think the power of what God does uh, impacts people on a daily basis, that is really interesting. I never did I think you'd come in and do something like that and charge <laughs> that memory back up. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Yeah, it that's touches great. me. It's I was getting a little choked up reading it. I know, man. I, I'm going to have to have a copy of it because I know who that is and I'll send it to him. Uh, and um, that's that's fun. So those from there. Uh, we're going forward and it's been a few years. What's happening in CUNA and where are you going with stuff in your life? What's happening in CUNA? Well, it's like a bomb of construction has gone off in that community. They keep approving neighborhoods over and over. And then recently they had a town, uh, a city council meeting that I actually was privileged enough to be the one to open it in prayer. We still do that in CUNA. It's pretty neat. Um, But they actually turned down a subdivision, which kind of shook the neighborhoods. Like, really? I thought you'd just say yes to everything. But really? they they have to curb it some. That's how much growth is going on. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's exploding. And so uh, as far as what's going on there, we're doing our best. We're, we're kind of off the beaten path. because I like where you are, actually. You're oh, it stage works coach. really yeah, well. Yeah, Stagecoach right by right. the railroad tracks, right, yeah. down the street from the rental yard. Yeah. But the one thing about it is it doesn't get quite as much traffic as like Albertsons does or downtown mm-hmm. or where Stan Johnson's Cuna Life Church, well, excuse me, Changed Life Church Changed across life. from the high school. So some people don't know where we are. I like to say we're Cuna's best kept secret, but we don't try to do that. People are like, yeah. there's a Calvary Chapel in Cuna. I say, yeah, we have yeah. bulletins and everything. Yeah, it's really that's cool. Right, right. <laughs> but... Um, you got part of your uh, altar area is a part of the original um, Boise Calvary, isn't it? Isn't it the, part, the, the backdrop background? is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it used to be there. We actually, when they took it down and put up a different one, they actually stored it just under a mobile home that's up on blocks out in the back, and it, rain was rolling underneath. And so my daughter, who works at Boise, called me and said, Dad, you, if you'd like to have that, it'd probably work in your church, and you better ask them now because it's getting ruined. Yeah. So I ended up getting it they gave it to us and so yeah it's still there it's yeah no, i think that's uh, again again you draw back to the tent and all the situation in terms of what has grown in our valley and how that voice if you will of you know chuck smith it, because because bob was a chuck smith uh, disciple himself Absolutely. you know and that, yep. I he just, got saved at Costa yeah, Mesa, yeah. so i mean that's just that's uh, that is real special to hear and to know and to be a part of i think mm-hmm Okay. What else is going on in your world, sir? You want to tell me one of these things that we can use as a story? And I think what these do for me, you, you're a unique, people should just go in to hear you preach. <laughs> just Absolutely because hear, unique. I will say that. You are, because just to hear you preach. And some of these, I pick one of those that you like, because that's that shows your style. And I love your style. So pick one of those that works for you and do that for me. Well, what I did was I was sitting at a men's retreat and a guy turned around, Bob was, talk, Bob was teaching, he was talking about David, King David, and yeah. how his, he was picked on by his brothers all the time. Uh-huh. So the friend of mine sitting in front turns around, looks at me and goes, sounds like Rudolph, like <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And that doesn't take, that's all it takes for a guy like me. <laughs> Went back to my room and in 10 minutes I wrote this. Okay. And so that has to be God. So oh, I'm going to blame this on God. And if you don't mind, I have to sing this. I'm the one doing it, not not you. That's right. (laughs) But it's from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Rangers, based on that. Oh, let's see. That's good. It's a holiday theme. Yeah, I love it. We're just coming out of the holidays. Yeah, David, the youngest brother, ruddy-looking, bright-eyed lad, tended the sheep with bravery, doing all he's told by dad. All of his older brothers used to scoff and call him names. They never let poor David participate in their war games. Then Goliath challenged them, and David came to say, 
King Saul with my sling so mean, I can slay that Philistine. Then how his brothers loved him, they should have known it from the start. David the kingly shepherd is seeking after God's own heart. I love that. See, why does it take you so long to get on this show? (laughs) I don't know. I know, you know. You know, what's funny is some people are like, I've heard, I've actually had people say, well, you shouldn't be making fun of the Bible and God. And, And I say, my answer is I'm not. I look at the Bible and I say, you can have fun in telling it. Mm-hmm. all the way through. But there are only two things you can't have fun with, and that is hell, mm-hmm. and that is the crucifixion. I think pretty much everything else you can have fun with and keep it entertaining enough to keep their attention without compromising in any way the message. All right, and I think, too, what you have to, it emphasizes for me, too, what I tend to say to people. It's like, you're not going to have that same relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. You need to develop that relationship on your mm-hmm. own. Then it becomes special. Then it becomes something that's unique. Then it's become something that you, if you were sitting here with me, you can see in Chris's heart the peace that's in his heart. And it's because of what he believes and because of what he lives. And so people are always looking for this cookie-cutter approach to, if I do this, do this, do this. And that's absolutely the enti- entire opposite of what you need to do. And so... If sitting and listening to Chris on a sermon gets your uh, a different approach to to your relationship with Jesus Christ, then so be it. You know, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I like about you and always have liked about you. What's well, one of the hard things I had when I started pastoring was finding out who I am as a pastor. Right. And you know who I am as a pastor? Yeah. I'm me. Yeah. But I wasn't me initially. I tried to be other people. I tried to be Bob. Yeah. Well, there's only one Bob. I tried to be. Oh, I could be Chuck Smith. I could be like him. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. But when I finally realized it's okay to be me in Jesus, that's it. That's what the freedom was. That's, that's it. where it came. And from. I think that is. And you don't have to give up being no, you. No, you don't. And I think that is the lesson if you're listening to to us today. That is who you need to be, and that's that's the special part. So, mm-hmm. and that it can't beat a better place to close with that. <laughs> Amen. Listen, thank you so much for coming in today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Beauty in life from these ashes rise. Our hearts bow down. Hey, that was pretty good for our hundredth show. I mean, that's going to be a classic in terms of singing and in terms of putting together. As you can tell, Chris Bent is a very special man. Uh, if you're in the Kuna area or if you're not, go out there one Sunday and just listen to him. It's a good situation. He's got a good people around him out there, and he's got a the community of Kuna will take you in and really welcome you and take good care of you for out that way. So do that for me. Uh, if you need to get in touch with me, as we kind of talked about earlier, I'm easy to do. You can do it at www.systemicchangeofid.com. You can send me an email at systemicchangeofidaho, all spelled out, at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Systemic Change of ID. We're on Instagram, Systemic Change of ID. You can even call us on the phone at area code 208 I look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.